Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style from a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms to the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Tune in at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. The fool, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. How many times in the scriptures is that phrase delivered to us, whether it's in the Proverbs or the Psalms? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I was listening to the radio earlier today, and it just seems like that is trendy today for some reason or other. And I understand that national polls show that those who identify themselves as Atheists, not believing in God's existence, has risen. I just don't get it. Hello, everyone. This is Soapy Dollar. Thank you for joining us tonight for the Bible Live broadcast. This program is all about presenting you a chance to hear the Scriptures. Each and every weeknight, Monday through Friday, we get a chance to hear the Bible itself. Right now, we are in the Gospel of John, just in time to turn our attention to the Messiah, to his life, to his ministry, and, of course, here around the time of celebrating resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus the Messiah, we are in the New Testament reading about the Passion Week and the time when Jesus is approaching his death on the cross and his conquering death, hell, and the grave. I hope you will visit that website and uh, find out a little bit about us, our vision, our ministry, and uh, maybe partner with us in this project of taking the Scriptures to our city and nation. Now let's go to our Wisdom and Worship reading tonight from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 10, verses 1 through 16. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise child brings joy to a father. A foolish child brings grief to a mother. Ill-gotten gain has no lasting value, but right living can save your life. The Lord will not let the godly starve to death, but he refuses to satisfy the craving of the wicked. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. A wise youth works hard all summer. A youth who sleeps away the hour of opportunity brings shame. 
The godly are showered with blessings. Evil people cover up their harmful intentions. We all have happy memories of the godly, but the name of a wicked person rots away. The wise are glad to be instructed, but babbling fools fall flat on their faces. People with integrity have firm footing, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. People who wink at wrong cause trouble, but a bold reproof promotes peace. The words of the godly lead to life. Evil people cover up their harmful intentions. Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love covers all offenses. Wise words come from the lips of people with understanding, but fools will be punished with a rod. Wise people treasure knowledge, but the babbling of a fool invites trouble. The wealth of the rich is their fortress. The poverty of the poor is their calamity. The earnings of the godly enhance their lives, but evil people squander their money on sin. End of reading, Proverbs 10, 1 through 16. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. storms out there these days. Life brings us lots of ups and downs, lots of trials, lots of struggles, lots of challenges. That God is faithful, that he never fails. He is with us, walking alongside, escorting us. And sometimes, as uh, remember that old poem, uh, he is actually carrying us. Sometimes when we're not even aware of it, he is doing things on our behalf, protecting us, providing for us in ways that we do not see or understand, but for which we are always grateful, right? Now let's turn to our Gospel reading tonight, our narrative reading, our longer reading, will come from the Gospel of John. We're going to pick up at chapter 10. We have been walking through this Gospel, which I've mentioned several times, gets a little deeper into the very nature of the Messiah. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are always saying the same thing, that Jesus has come, he is the Son of God, God himself has come, he has voluntarily left off the free exercise of his godly prerogatives and initiatives. He has not ceased being God at all, but he has left off the free exercise, the initiative and prerogative of that, to humble himself and become entirely and totally a man. Entirely. I hope you are understanding the significance of what I'm saying. Jesus Christ, from the time he was a tiny egg on the wall of his mother's womb to the time he breathed his last breath on the cross, was entirely, wholly a man limited in every way, just as you and I. He had no special knowledge not available to us through the Scriptures or through the Holy Spirit. Let's go now to John chapter 10. John 10, 1 through 12, 11. John 10. I assure you, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber, for a shepherd enters through the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice and come to him. 
He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they recognize his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't recognize his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I assure you, I am the gate for the sheep, he said. All others who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep do not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Wherever they go, they will find green pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will leave the sheep because they aren't his and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he is merely hired and has no real concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may have it back again. No one can take my life from me. I lay down my life voluntarily. For I have the right to lay it down when I want to, and also the power to take it again. For my Father has given me this command. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some of them said, He has a demon, or he's crazy. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, This doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah. He was at the temple, walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The Jewish leaders surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is what I do in the name of my Father. But you don't believe me because you are not part of my flock. My sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. So no one can take them from me. The Father and I are one. Once again, the Jewish leaders picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, At my Father's direction, I have done many things to help the people. For which one of these good deeds are you killing me? They replied, Not for any good work, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, have made yourself God. Jesus replied, It is written in your own law that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are gods, and you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when the Holy One who was sent into the world by the Father says, I am the Son of God? Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. But if I do His work, believe in what I have done, even if you don't believe me. Then you will realize that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Once again they tried to arrest Him, but He got away and left them. He went beyond the Jordan River to stay near the place where John was first baptizing, and many followed him. John didn't do miracles, they remarked to one another, but all his predictions about this man have come true, and many believed in him there. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. John 11. 
A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, the one you love is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory of God. I, the Son of God, will receive glory from this. Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days and did not go to them. Finally, after two days, he said to his disciples, Let's go to Judea again. But his disciples objected. Teacher, they said, Only a few days ago the Jewish leaders in Judea were trying to kill you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, There are twelve hours of daylight every day. As long as it is light, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. Only at night is there danger of stumbling because there is no light. Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, that means he is getting better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was having a good night's rest, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. Then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I wasn't there, because this will give you another opportunity to believe in me. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go too, and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to pay their respects and console Martha and Mary on their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, Your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, when everyone else rises, on resurrection day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else, will live again. They are given eternal life for believing in me and will never perish. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she left him and returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Now Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house trying to console Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell down at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, he was moved with indignation and was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Why couldn't he keep Lazarus from dying? And again, Jesus was deeply troubled. Then they came to the grave. It was a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, said, Lord, by now the smell will be terrible because he has been dead for four days. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you will see God's glory if you believe? 
So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, so they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! And Lazarus came out, bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, Unwrap him and let him go. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council together to discuss the situation. What are we going to do, they asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we leave him alone, the whole nation will follow him, and then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said, How can you be so stupid? Why should the whole nation be destroyed? Let this one man die for the people. This prophecy that Jesus should die for the entire nation came from Caiaphas in his position as high priest. He didn't think of it himself. He was inspired to say it. It was a prediction that Jesus' death would not be for Israel only, but for the gathering together of all the children of God scattered around the world. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. As a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry among the people and left Jerusalem. He went to a place near the wilderness, to the village of Ephraim, and stayed there with his disciples. It was now almost time for the celebration of Passover, and many people from the country arrived in Jerusalem several days early so they could go through the cleansing ceremony before the Passover began. They wanted to see Jesus, and as they talked in the temple, they asked each other, What do you think? Will he come for the Passover? Meanwhile, the leading priests and Pharisees had publicly announced that anyone seeing Jesus must report him immediately so they could arrest him. John 12. Six days before the Passover ceremonies began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a twelve-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who would betray him, said, That perfume was worth a small fortune. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief who was in charge of the disciples' funds, and he often took some for his own use. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did it in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but I will not be here with you much longer. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him, and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. End of reading, John 10, 1 through 12, 11. I am not skilled to understand. Continuing to note as we go through the book of John, these dramatic I am statements. We've already heard from chapter 6, Jesus speaking about the manna that God provided for the people of Israel in the wilderness, that supernatural provision. And then Jesus says, I am 
the bread of life. That leads to a lot of discourse and further explanation. Then we saw in chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You remember he was looking out over the court where the offerings were taken, lit in the evenings with candles that were symbolic of the pillar of fire that shone at night to guide the people of Israel. And in that context, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Tonight we hear three of the great I am's. We began chapter 10 with, I am the door, I am the gate through which the sheep come in and out. Very dramatic statement there in chapter 10, verse 6 and 7. All of these will be so much clearer to you if you understand the Hebrew Scriptures. Jesus is not coming up with anything new. He's not coming up with entirely new images and ideas for his identity on his own brand new. They are all coming from the Scriptures, from the book of Isaiah, where it talks about him being the shepherd, from the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel the prophet talks about the good shepherd, the righteous shepherd. In every one of these statements, he is leaning heavily on Old Testament imagery, Old Testament metaphors, Old Testament statements about the Messiah who would come. And Jesus is simply saying, I am that one. So he says, I am the good shepherd, the one who gives his life for the sheep. A good study Bible will have cross-references, and you can see clearly that Jesus here is referring to a passage from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, and from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34. Jeremiah also spoke in chapter 23, using the imagery of the Messiah as a shepherd, the righteous shepherd, the just one who would come. And so Jesus is clearly referring to these passages and saying, I am that righteous shepherd. Anyone who's saved, anyone who is ever going to go to heaven to be with God, the only means by which we can come into that relationship with God is Jesus and what he accomplished on our behalf. Even people in the Old Testament who did not know about Jesus by name or people in other cultures and other societies who sought God with all of their heart, with all of their longing as they responded to the light of the revelation that God had given them, the sun, the moon, the stars, nature, and so on, Anyone who goes to heaven that God receives into his presence ultimately depended upon Jesus, who he was, and what he accomplished on our behalf. Whether we knew all about it or not, none of us have perfect knowledge of Jesus, but we have the full light of the gospel that he is the Messiah, and he has paid the penalty of our sin, and he has conquered death, hell, and the grave on our behalf. What do you think of these great statements of security? The shepherd gives such powerful assurance to those who follow him. Further on in chapter 10, he said, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one can take them away from me. My Father has given them to me, and no one can snatch them from my Father's hand. That gives us a lot of assurance as God's children, right, that, that God is going to keep us. We belong to him now. I like that statement myself. Remember that many false messiahs did come before Jesus. There were others who tried to claim to be the Messiah. This is the point that the Old Testament prophets made. If you go back and read Isaiah chapter 40 or Ezekiel chapter 34, both of these great prophets were talking about how perverted, how corrupt the priesthood had become. There were others who were supposed to be serving the people and leading the people to salvation, but they were only in it for themselves. Even today, we have false preachers and false prophets who are trying to get rich or get fame or get control and power. Jesus here is talking about others who came. There were thieves and robbers. There were false shepherds and false prophets and preachers and messiahs. But I am the gate. I am the true one. And those who come to the Father through me 
will be saved. In other words, we can count on him. We can trust in him. Jesus gave his life entirely for the sheep. He did not accomplish anything for himself. He lived his life selflessly for our sakes so that we could come into the relationship with the Father by his righteousness. The more you know about the Old Testament passages that Jesus is quoting, it makes the passage, I think, more dramatic and even more powerful. Let's go and visit for a moment with Juanita calling in on our Bible Live line. Juanita, what did you hear tonight? Was it uh, the story of Lazarus? I am the resurrection and the life, or was it the I am the door and I am the sheep? Well, I captured four I ams. Uh-huh. And when he mentions the word I am, it refers to God in Hebrew. That's right. The I ams reaffirms that he is God. You're talking about Moses at the burning bush way back in the Old Testament when Moses said, Who will I tell them send me? God identified himself as, I tell them that I am, am. the great self-existent, the eternal one. In chapter 10, you see very clearly that the people understood what Jesus was saying. Jesus had said, I am the door, I am the good shepherd. And he gives us this great statement of security that we are in the Father's hand and he and the Father are one. It says, immediately the people picked up stones to execute him. We are not stoning you for any good work, but for blasphemy, a mere man claiming to be God. Jesus was clearly letting people know that I am the Messiah and that the Messiah is indeed God. That's the thing, Juanita, that interested me. Thank you so much for calling. That's the thing that interested me tonight, and I wanted to pass on to you so many of these dramatic statements that Jesus makes. If you use those cross-references, if you know the Hebrew Scriptures, you'll see that he is really just repeating the clear scriptural truth from the Old Testament. I identify so much with Mary in this passage. Not so much identify with her, but I admire her so much in the sense that she was relational. She desired the relationship with the Lord. wasn't particularly theological or doctrinal or cerebral, although I don't think there's anything wrong with our wanting to have our ideas clear about God and our doctrine straight and have our theology clear. The better we can think, the better off we will be. But Mary seemed to always respond personally to the Lord. It was never just cerebral or just intellectual. And she seemed to be the only one that got it, that Jesus was going to die when she anointed him with that perfume. I really admire her. See you next time. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word.